0: days To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, and to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God upon which we base our message on this second Sunday in Lent is the Old Testament reading. You heard it read before from Genesis chapter 12. I recall just these words, I will make you a great nation. Through every through you, every family on earth will be blessed. I'm going to give this land to your descendants. In the name of Jesus Christ, who made so many promises to us, and all of His promises are guaranteed and true. My beloved. Promises made, promises broken. Isn't that sort of the history of mankind? When you think of campaign promises, what do you think of? Broken treaties for Native American Indians. Broken peace treaties. Broken promises by parents to their kids. came across uh, two quotes, just happened to run into this past week. When you have a dream and someone makes promises they keep breaking, it's hard to recover. You lose hope. Written by Jasmine Rashidi. How about this one? Maybe I've got to be sufficiently broken by life's many broken promises to be sufficiently compelled to seek out God's unbreakable promises. This morning we want to review the fact that God makes promises in Holy Scripture. Specifically, we take a look at some promises that he made to old patriarch Abraham. He promised that things were going to change for the better. God always keeps his promises 100%. Trusting in God's promises is really what the Christian faith is all about. We're going to take a look at some promises that God made uh, to Abraham, and uh, it was going to change Abraham's life forever. And we want to see this morning what it all means for us some 4,000 years later. God promised a whole lot of change for Abraham. Uh, There would be a change in his home. There would be a change, in fact, that his family would be enlarged. And uh, there was a uh, promise that uh, there would be a great descendant who would come from his race. And all of those promises, Abraham believed. Kind of amazing when you take a look at scripture god gave abraham those three promises that we're going to review this morning abraham didn't leave to see any of them fulfilled so let's set the stage for abraham the universal flood you know that covered our whole globe once upon a time uh occurred probably no uh later than 2500 bc and then the world had to repopulate itself over 500 years About 2000 B.C., God decided that he was going to get serious about some of the specific details uh, and how he was going to fulfill that promise that he gave to Adam and Eve way back at the fall. Now, purely out of God's divine grace and wisdom, he decided to choose one man and one specific race of people to separate them from all the other nations to make that one man an entity unto itself And from his race to bring forth a savior, the man's name was Abraham. Now, when God came to Abraham the very first time, Abraham was 75 years old, settling into retirement. We would also say that Abraham was a billionaire. And he made his money in livestock. Today, we would probably call him a rancher he went whenever he would go out in his backyard he could see her, herds and flocks as far as the eye could see his wife was sixty-five years old and she was enjoying her retirement too now some years back they made a major move they traveled about five hundred miles from their homeland they moved northwest from what we would call baghdad iraq today and now he was living about four hundred miles north of the holy land Uh, that we call Israel today now God came to Abraham and promised him three major gifts and those three major gifts in that promise would change his life he promised him a new home an enlarged family and a special descendant but to to get these gifts and for God to give Abraham these gifts Abraham was going to have to relocate he was going to have to come out of retirement at 75 relocate and move when was the last time that you made a move relocated my wife and i moved probably six times in our married life and i can't remember any one move that i liked there are the trucks and the sore backs and the packages and the boxes and the throwing away and the giving away and today we have eBay and we got let go. But nevertheless, moving still remains one of the top ten stressors in life. Now, going beyond all that, that Abraham had to leave his own country, he also said that you're going to have to leave your own people, your own, your, uh, from your father's household. Moving would mean that Abraham would have to kiss all of his relatives goodbye. He would never see them again. He was going to have to leave them forever. He would never come back. And God said, oh, by the way, to this place that I'm taking you, you know, uh, you're never going to own any real estate there. In fact, you're going to be camping for the rest of your life. Now, God fulfilled his promises to Abraham 500 years later, as far as the land went. Because, uh, you remember the story, for 400 years, some of Abraham's descendants were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And then after that, they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 40 years. But God finally led them into the promised land... Perhaps you uh, remember it, how they got to the Jordan River. You know, they crossed the Jordan River, they blew their trumpets, and the walls of Jericho all fell down, and all 12 tribes moved in and took over the land, ready-made houses, ready-made pastures, ready-made everything, delivered into their hands by God. They got a parcel of land, which is about the size of Wisconsin. God promises us a new home, too. But he tells us that in order to get it, you're going to have to move. And the moving isn't going to be comfortable. Along the way to your real home, you're going to have health issues. You're going to have family issues. You're going to have financial issues. And you're even going to have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But fear no evil, because his rod and his staff will watch over you. He also tells us that the difficulties that we experience in life are to remind us that this is not our permanent home right here. In fact, this world of ours is sort of like an airport. I'm sure most of you have been in an airport sometime or other. People there are either rushing or they're waiting or they're working. Nobody is ever relaxing and nobody lives there. Nobody gets comfortable. Everybody is just sort of a, a passing through they all want to get home our real home is heaven here we're just passing through God has promised you a gift of a new home a better place but in order to get there you have to be a member of Abraham's family and that brings us to the second promise that God made to Abraham that he was going to make things better by enlarging Abraham's family now the reason that this is so significant is that at this particular time like I mentioned before Abraham was 75 years old his wife was 65 years old they didn't have any children and during his wife's childbearing year she was infertile so they didn't have any children but God says no Abraham you're going to be a great great nation How is that all going to happen? Well, first of all, Abraham's wife really didn't trust God. She thought, uh, yeah, they were too old, so she was going to take matters into her own hands. And so what she did is she gave Abraham her slave daughter, her slave uh, girl, uh, Hagar. Abraham slept with her. And through that illicit, uh, illicit and adulterous affair, nine months later, a son was born by the name of Ishmael. You know who Ishmael is? He was the great-great-great-great-grandfather of the Arabs. All Muslims claim their ancestry back to Abraham through Ishmael. Then, when Abraham was 90 years old, uh, uh, 99 years old and his wife was 89 years old, God came to them and he said, Next year you're going to have a son. And so sure enough, when Abraham was 100 years old, And his wife, Sarah, was 90 years old. She had her one and only child, a son. They named him Isaac. You know who Isaac is? He's the great, 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 great ancestor of the Jews. But the greatest miracle of all occurred 2,000 years after Isaac was born... A little Jewish baby, a descendant of Abraham and Isaac, was born in Bethlehem. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. God so loved the world that through the descendants of Abraham he would give his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's why St. Paul said in his letter to the Galatians, Understand, then, that those who believe are Abraham's children. The Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles, that's you and me, by faith, and announced the gospel, the good news of Jesus, in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You know what that means? that the faith that we have in Jesus Christ is the very same faith that Abraham had, except he uh, had to look in faith forward. We look backward. I mean, Abraham didn't know the name Messiah. He didn't know Jesus Christ. But he had faith. And that's why the Bible calls us the spiritual children of Abraham. So did you ever think about it? God's promise came true. Boy, did he enlarge Abraham's family. Because if you take all the racial and ethnic descendants of Abraham, the Muslim nations, the Jews, and the children of faith, descendants of Abraham, right there you almost have a majority of the world's population, all descendants, in one way or another, of Abraham. And still the greatest promise given to Abraham that would change the world forever was when God told him, all the nations, all the families of the earth will be blessed through you, Abraham. St. Paul says that those words were the proclamation of the gospel before the fact. In fact, it's kind of interesting, too, when uh, Jesus was preaching, he said, your father Abraham was pleased to see that my day was coming. He saw it and was happy. He believed that a Savior was coming even though he would never see him. You know what that really means, too, when you think about it? 4,000 years ago, Abraham was a Christian, except he, uh, he didn't know the name Jesus Christ, but he had a faith in a coming Savior whom we look back at, who hung on the cross, and rose again and what was the result of Abraham's faith in that coming savior scripture tells us Abraham believed and God credited to him as righteousness or holiness Abraham was declared to be not sinful by God but holy in God's eyes and worthy into entrance to his real home in heaven St. Paul further explains what he means by crediting uh, righteousness through Abraham's faith when he says, Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered or not counted. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. You know, sins are sort of like a financial debt that you have to pay back, except uh, the the debt that you owe is more than all the money in all the banks' uh, accounts in the whole congregation here. Years ago, uh, if you didn't pay your debts, you'd have to go to debtor's prison. you never get out. Years ago also, uh, if you wanted to forgive somebody, this is before the electronic age, of course, but if you wanted to forgive somebody a debt, you'd take their bill and you'd take an ink pen and you'd just blot it all out there, saying you don't owe me think anything anymore. Today, we don't blot it out with that ink. We just hit the delete button, right? And then it's all gone. When it comes to your sins and mine, many of the sins we can remember, some of them we can't. God forgives them all. He wipes our slate clean. He, delete, he hits the delete buttons for all of our sins. And not only that, he also washes off the hard drive. And the Bible says that he remembers our sins no more. Every last one of your sins is forgiven. God remembers them no more. In other words, it's sort of like he has amnesia. God self-inflicted amnesia remembers your sins no more. Credited with righteousness, sins forgiven, sins deleted, remembering them no more are all descriptions of how God has removed your sins. He promised to bring that change into your life through a descendant of Abraham. And he kept his promise. We're living in a world promises made Some promises not kept. God promised Abraham a change for the better. He promised him the gift of a new home, an enlarged family, and a special descendant whom we know as Jesus Christ. Do you know that those promised gifts are yours too? You're promised an eternal home in heaven among all the multitudes who believed like Abraham did through faith in Jesus Christ. And you can trust in those promises because they're all guaranteed by your heavenly Father. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. We take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards. Thank mm-hmm. you.